BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. everyone welcome back this is a conversation that has been requested for quite some time it has been requested by listeners by different readers in my audience and I told myself I was waiting until I had this person on my podcast to talk about it so I am so absolutely honored today to welcome Leslie hello hello Leslie tell us who you are So my name is Leslie Mosier. I am most known for being the owner of Doug the Pug. Hey, Doug, you want to say something? Sneeze. Say hi, Dougie. We got a snort. (laughs) (laughs) That's his like party trick whenever there's a microphone around. Just snort into the microphone. When we first met, so we connected online just like literally being pug moms. And we were going to go hang out. And I remember thinking like, I'm not going to ask to meet the pug because that must be what people do all the time is they just associate you with your dog. And I'm like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to ask to meet your dog. (laughs) And then you invited me over. And I've met like so many people over the years. And I've never been so nervous and (laughs) shaking to like meet a celebrity like I was, Doug. And I remember walking in and he just snorted his way right up to me. And I was like, I don't know what I was expecting. He's just like a regular pug. Mm -hmm. And I came home and I told my kids, I was like, guys, I met the pug. And it was like, totally not what I was expecting. Like I was expecting like a celebrity dog to be so different than our dog. And my son was like, oh yeah, like you were expecting like gold chains and stuff. I was like, no, I wasn't (laughs) expecting him to be walking around with gold (laughs) chains, but he's such a darling dog and what a life you guys lead. It's so incredible to watch you guys do what you do, but there's so much more to you than just Doug. Thank you. Yeah, no, he is, you know, encompasses much of our day. Mm -hmm. Um, But the best part is that, you know, at the end of the day, he is our baby and our dog and he's dressed up for maybe like five minutes out of the day if even that. So we take a lot of pride and care in making sure he's so happy. Yeah. We take a lot of pride and care in making sure that we're also so happy. Of course. And I mean, he's led you guys into a pretty incredible lifestyle too, because 
Natalie, do you meet like celebrities on the daily? Let's talk about like who married you guys. Oh my gosh, what a dream. So JVN from the show Queer Eye was the officiant at our wedding. And the way that it happened was so amazing because we met JVN when we were, <laughs> sorry, Doug noise, <laughs> when we were in LA and it was just like a typical like, oh, hey, Doug the pug wants to get a photo with you, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And we really hit it off with him. And we were planning for our wedding and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, can you imagine the dream officiant would be to have JVN, you know, oh, say- 100%. May not kiss the bride, but like in his own way. And Rob and I were like, let's ask him, you know, the magic of the internet. So I made a little sign and I took a photo of Doug next to the sign. And like not even 20 minutes later, I got a response and we were like going to the airport and we got a response saying, where are we going? Like, where are you getting married? Like, he was in. He was in. And it was the most magical, special. I mean, you know, for marriage reasons, it was so magical. But also having him there was just so special. But like, before we go into all the other deeper things too, I have to say like, you guys as creators, as a couple, like I knew yourself as it all started out, like he is the king of pop culture is what you call Doug. Do you find that you're just like laying away? Like I'm also a creator. It's such in a different space. You guys seem to be on with everything all the time and you nail it. Like you nail what is going on in the current world, which I think is makes it so fun to follow this dog. Like it's a celebrity dog, but still like it's a dog. But yet there's like generations of people, like even my aunt like has Doug the Pug's calendar, all the merch, like it's everywhere. It's so cool to see, but there's a connectivity between this dog and what's going on in like the world. Totally. How hard is it to like keep up on like the trends? Do you find like it comes to you pretty naturally? Man, honestly, when there is something trending, it makes our job a whole lot easier. I bet. I feel like... Now it's been four years of doing this full time. So yeah. we feel we have, you know, the machine is running. When something happens, we are like, we have all the equipment, we have all the costumes. You're ready now. to go. We're ready to go. Like the Dolly Parton meme, for example, the <laughs> Facebook LinkedIn. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh. Well, actually, one of our fans DM'd me. She's like, you need to do this. And I was like, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will. Good to go. And within, you know, 20 minutes, I had the thing ready in Photoshop. I used to do graphic design before doing Doug full time. So that background has helped me so much with, with everything. And then Rob, my husband, has a background in video. So and music. So yeah. like all of our little, you know, things have just become a machine for being able to do literally everything with Doug in-house. Yeah. So we just like boop, put it up and then just watch it happen I, or not happen. <laughs> I think my personal favorite was the Firefest post. Oh my gosh. Because I just <laughs> watched the documentary the day before and I log into my Instagram and there I see Doug sitting with a fire hat on with this like crappy grilled cheese <laughs> in his lap. And I was like, like, I'm just so in awe when people are like, yep, this is it. This is the thing. And here's this dog representing us all. But like, who would you say out of all of the things you each have your own like personal favorites, but what have been like your biggest like person that you got to meet or got to have an experience with because of your dog Man. and the creativity that you've put behind it? That's so- Can't give them all the credit here. Meeting the Backstreet Boys. Oh, that's a good one. entire whole 
was like so wild because they're the freaking that's like Backstreet Boys, the Jonas Brothers, Jonas Brothers, and Rob. You were very big on was it Panic at the Disco? Was that your big one? Blink One Eighty Two. Follow oh all the punk rock scene. Oh yeah. Oh my Doug gosh. Doug was in Fall Out Boy's music video. It's just all the worlds with music. Yeah. Billie Eilish was incredible to meet. I think she's yeah, that just one so was wild. My kids freaked out pretty hard on that one. It's so fun to meet an artist with Doug because yeah. You know, it's one thing to like meet them as a human, like, hi, I'm so-and-so. But when you meet them with Doug, you experienced it when you met him. Oh, You're yeah. like, oh my gosh, a dog. Like it's truly a moment of like fresh air for them because yes. they're touring. They're like so crazy. And then a little happy dog runs in the room and just and wants to scratches. he's the happiest. So they're like really happy to meet Doug and like talk to us. And yeah. we've, we've had nothing but really amazing experiences with some of the coolest people that you could ever meet. I mean, I feel really, really lucky that we've gotten to shake hands with some of the people we have. I know. What a cool, and it just reminds you that everyone truly is human. I think in terms of like, and that's one thing that I've noticed, especially like in the space I'm in, like I'm just a regular person, but every time I meet anybody who's like considered celebrity, it just reminds me how human we all are totally, and how beautiful it is that like we do get these opportunities to connect, but it also reminds you like we're all just, we bleed the same blood. We turn to the same desk. We are all the same. And it it's really cool that you guys have that. But at the same time, it's like really nice that you get to experience something as simple as like a dog and what good mental health that kind of brings oh to us gosh. all. And I don't know. It's really, really cool. But, and I'm sure at this point, listeners are like, okay, this is the conversation you wanted to have for a real long time. <laughs> it's like a celebrity pug, but no, there's so much more to Leslie. And I said, this is one of the biggest requested topics going on for some time. And it's been brought forward by so many women and it's not something that's too far from me myself. And this is the topic of endometriosis. So mm-hmm. This is why I wanted you on because not only have you really got vulnerable in this space, you went from being, you know, this dog manager, creator and all this stuff. And you got really right after the time we connected, you got really deep and really vulnerable in your space. And it opened my eyes to what was really going on with you in Mm -hmm. your world and that it wasn't just this picture perfect ideal of getting to have, you know, meet celebrities and travel all over the world. There was a lot going on with you and you started to show up in your space and use that space and use your voice, your actual physical voice. We have a beautiful singing voice and you came out with a song that I remember when you came out with it and I shared it on my platform, the amount of women that I didn't realize, friends that I had no idea they were going through this. And now these like endo warriors are coming forward. It's becoming this movement of women who have been suffering silently in pain with this invisible illness. And I think that's what the big part of it is that it is such an invisible illness, but I'd love for you to take a moment and kind of share your story and and where you are today. Yeah. So first off, the whole vulnerability thing, I have a lot to owe to you for that. Well, thanks. Um, There have been so many moments when, you know, I've posted about my acne and, you know, Mm -hmm, I'm staring at my photo and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I really about to post this photo of like one of my biggest insecurities and Mm -hmm. one of the things? And then I go and look at your page and I read the words that you write and you just give such a power and strength. And I post it and it's like this beautiful you know, community and this mm-hmm. weight is just lifted off. It's like, so I have to thank you a lot for- Well, I'm really glad. That. And you know what? We have such different things that we've had to like share vulnerabilities mm-hmm. in, but I think it's something that truly connects humankind when we're willing to have like, and not everybody has to do it. I don't think that everybody has capacity to mm-hmm. be vulnerable on such a huge platform, but something as simple as acne that so many people suffer from and we don't realize can actually- 
create such a shame cloak that so many people wear and affects them in all walks of their life. Like when, I don't even know when I have like one pimple, it can like make me feel so self-conscious the entire day actually affects the decisions I make and how I carry myself. And so when we have conversations, it feels so small, but they're actually impacting such a bigger thing. And, you know, you suffering with an invisible illness really would impact a lot of your world and cause you to not want to I think for a lot of people, they're really scared to talk about their illnesses because mm-hmm. they don't want to seem like unreliable. They don't want to seem as sick. We're asked as women, especially to show up and be strong and to be hustlers and to go after the world and do it all. And it's really hard because a lot of people are suffering. It's so hard. So, I mean, the whole story with Doug, you know, he, long story short, he went viral. I quit my job. Mm-hmm. We're doing this full time. And I started noticing a multitude of symptoms. It was chronic fatigue every single day, barely able to, you know, get out of bed some days. Wow. And with, you know, the phase of the Doug journey that we were in, we were traveling a lot. Yeah. So I was forcing myself getting up on the plane. I mean, very excited to do so, but still mm-hmm. it was very, very hard and very, very taxing. And I was getting sick all the time. I mean, like really sick. Like I would go out in public and be in bed with like strep throat for three days or like, you know, just like flu symptoms all the time. Always felt like I was on the brink of just being sick. Acne started showing up, really serious acne all over my face. The main thing was every month my period would come and it would get, not even kidding, worse and worse and worse each and every cycle. And I distinctly remember being in Denver and we were there for a Doug thing And I was laying in bed trying to sleep and I was having the most excruciating cramps that I've ever had at that point. And that was the first time that I was like, there's something wrong. You know, it's been getting worse and worse for a few years now. Like this is not okay. Like Mm. I'm not willing to accept that this is my normal. And I think a lot of conversations around periods, we're often told it pain is normal. Totally. And Unfortunately, with a lot of, you know, a lot of doctors are amazing, but a lot of them have that mindset where it's like, oh, well then just take this, like, Mm. you you know, do this or, oh, blah, 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 blah. And the problem with endometriosis is that it takes seven to 10 years to be diagnosed on average. What? Because the only way to truly diagnose it is by having a laparoscopic surgery. Oh my gosh. So not only are we in pain, but we're afraid because we don't even know, is it really endometriosis? I was so terrified before my surgery because I was like, what if I do all of this? And I'm just told, oh no, you just, you know, that's the way your period is. Take some Tylenol and, you know. Yeah, basically send you on your way. Uh Uh-huh. So had that experience in Denver and started trying everything holistic that I could think of, you know, CBD, diet, whatever you can think of. And it was not getting any better. I uh, started going to doctors and, you know, gynecologists, whoever it may be. And endometriosis started being brought up. And I just didn't want to do the surgery yet. Things were so crazy and exciting and good with Doug. I was like, I can push through, you know. Mm. And looking back, I probably should have had the surgery way sooner. And what is the surgery for those who don't know? So a laparoscopic surgery is they make anywhere from two to three to four incisions throughout your abdomen. For me, they went in through my belly button and then two little spots on the side. Okay. And they actually blow up your stomach or your abdomen with gas. Um, Oh, interesting. they use these little cameras and they put them 
in your stomach and they have an excision tool and are able to burn off the endometriosis from any of the organs that it's on. So it's actually surprisingly like non- invasive in terms like you can barely see my scars and stuff. Oh, okay. That's Um, good. Over the years, it's gotten way more. The technology has gotten to Mm -hmm. where it's a lot better, but you know, recovery was pretty brutal and it wasn't an easy thing. And it's hard that that's the way that you have to get diagnosed, you know? And endometriosis Again, it is a buildup of scar tissue on your organs, right? Like, especially your uterus. Because yeah. my mom had it. But to be honest, like it just became so normal for me growing up with a mom with endometriosis that I don't feel like I asked enough questions, especially because I feel like I lived my whole life with fear of this. Like I watched my mom have it at a very young age. She was very young when she had a hysterectomy. Both me and my sister had kids younger. I was had all mine by the time I was 25. And my sister had, she is six. And you know, I think both of us at one point had this conversation where it's like almost like we were fearful, like that it was going to hit us Mm -hmm. and that we didn't want to have to go through that so quickly or like limit our family options. And it's weird to think back on it now because I don't think we consciously understood it, but I just knew that it was like something bad to do with our reproductive. But can you kind of explain like fully what endometriosis does and how it can kind of like spread through your body? Yeah. So endometrial tissue can grow on any of your organs. So for me, it was on my uterus and my ovaries. And many people can have it on their kidneys, Mm. their lungs. Um, It can grow anywhere. And it it just kind of depends on the severity of the scale that you have it. But yeah, endometriosis grows on the outside. I hope I'm getting all of this right. I I, I feel like in a way, I am very knowledgeable about it. But I kind of did also when I was going through all of this, have that fear to where I almost didn't want to know what was really happening. I just wanted to know how to fix it. 100%. -hmm. And is there like common causes of it or is it typically just, is it pretty random? I mean, so what I have learned, and so I will start off by saying there's an amazing endometriosis community. And one of the places that I highly encourage people to go to if you have endometriosis, if you suspect you have endometriosis is Nancy's Nook. And it's on Facebook. It's a really big Facebook group and community and website and stuff like that. But they have the top doctors in the nation um, Mm -hmm. who do these excision surgeries. They have, you know, a community of people who can talk to you that also have endometriosis. So I highly encourage people to go check that out because that was a really, really valuable tool for me. It is uh, random for the most part, but at the same time, I have been finding that there's a very, very large link in between women that have endometriosis of estrogen dominance. And so that is what we kind of looking back and kind of putting my medical history together have realized like that's what we believe caused it for me. And so since I have been focusing on hormone balance, I have been able to like keep the endometriosis at bay and be living relatively pain-free now. I'm not saying that is a cure for everybody, but I think as women and in the society that we live in and all the toxins that we have with all of the beauty products and, you know, plastics and just there's so many xenoestrogens literally infiltrating our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And so the more conscious decisions that we can make, I think it can just be better for us overall. Yeah. And I think it's so hard because 
to be honest, I find it a really frustrating space because there isn't a lot of science backing a lot that's going on. But mm-hmm. the problem is because they're not spending the time and money to do that. This doesn't really seem to be a massive enough issue for people to care. And yet women are suffering everywhere. So it does feel a little bit like we've had to take so much into our own hands, figuring this stuff out. But like I was here, I was in your house this time last year and you were a different person. Yeah. You were in really intense, like different types of therapy, trying to manage your pain. Oh yeah. And I walked in today and you were like, I actually feel really good. And I'm like, holy crap, there's things that have happened. Like you, I know you've had like surgery and stuff to help, but Mm -hmm. there really is hope for people who have endometriosis and managing it. I absolutely agree wholeheartedly. I think, you know, the term warrior is what people- Endo warrior. Yeah. And I think such a big part of that word comes from the amount of strength and time that we put into like fighting this. Mm. And that looks different for, you know, everyone, you know, depending on the severity of the disease, you know, for that person, it could be, you know, fighting it as hard as they can with the surgeries and stuff. But when you have the option to, you know, try and like I said, figure out hormonal things or try these like alternate therapies, like that's fighting. Mm -hmm. And so like, I can't even tell you how many things I've tried, like the anti-inflammation diet, just like literally running myself to the ground, not wanting to, you know, possibly eat something that would inflame me to like make my ovaries hurt. And I've learned through that, that that's not the way that I need to live. Yeah. And I've learned so much about loving myself through the illness. Mm. And I wouldn't ever trade this experience with endometriosis and having it and having Hashimoto's because I also have a thyroid autoimmune disease okay. or even my acne. I wouldn't trade any of them for the world because it has changed me mentally, physically, spiritually. Mm. It's helped my marriage. Not that, you know, there was anything wrong in the first place, but, no, but... I've grown closer to Rob in the moments of pain than yeah. I ever could have imagined. So it's just all I can say to the people who, you know, have, I know how horrible the pain is. I just love yourself through it and tell your body that you love it, even when it is hurting as bad as it is. Yeah. And beautiful things can happen from that. And it's funny because I have three friends in my relational world who have endometriosis. And I got to be honest, like I recall my own childhood watching my mom go through it, but I don't, I think she was so good at just showing up through it and just like not letting us see to the full amount. And watching some of my friends go through it, these young women in their twenties literally curled around a toilet Mm -hmm. for days in pain and just that being their life and their world and how easy it would be for us to like not know that's going on. Like on a pain spectrum, you know, we, childbirth is like revered as like one of the most incredible things a woman can do. And yet I know I could if I was pushed to it, but I mean, the fact that like these endo warriors are live existing, knowing that like their pain takes them to the floor. It affects so much of their world. And, you know, even for a lot of people affects their decisions for a family or not. Like I know for one friend, she had one child and then was like, 
it got worse. And she was just like, had to fully remove her reproductive system. And she's still not well. Like she's, it helped has, it has helped, but it's continued to be part of her life being like a part of that too. And, and I think that that is, is such an interesting conversation in terms of like women's wellness and their health. Like there, it does seem to be like a bit of a black hole. Like it's not being cared for enough. And I don't mean to make this like a men to women conversation, but I do recognize that like I don't know. Part of me is like, if a man's penis was like literally swelling up and like mm-hmm. in pain, they were on the floor for three days. I feel like there would be so much more serious conversations about that and what's going on. And yet that's what women are going through. And and it's happening because women are so incredibly capable of going through pain and coming out the other side, but that shouldn't make it okay that they do that. It's so true. It's so true. And it's, it's just really hard to know that there are so many people experiencing. I mean, like you said, there were nights that I was throwing up in the toilet and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't really feel up until that I had that vulnerability and I was able to like, before that vulnerability. And when I posted about my diagnosis and about the surgery, I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. I, you know, was diagnosed. I have, you know, my close friends, great, you know, medical team here in Nashville, but I didn't have anyone that was like on the level that I was at. And so I felt so guilty when I would have to cancel plans with people yeah, or when I would have to put my, you know, well-being first and say, no, Mm. I'm sorry, I can't go out. I'm in so much pain. And then you feel that guilt and that shame. And there is such a stigma around periods. Yes. And it's like, let's get rid of that shit. It like is. it is so 1800s, like, come yes, on. I know. So these conversations are so important and the visibility of endometriosis in March is Endometriosis Awareness Month. And I think this past March, we saw so much outpouring of people on social media talking about endometriosis and that's when I released my song, Get Better, about my struggles with the disease. I just, I think, like you said, the movement is growing and the Endometriosis Foundation of America is doing incredible things as well. I went to their gala in New York um, oh my after I put out the song and that was... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you guys, I wish everyone could see the, the havoc that Doug is causing. <laughs> he is using my mic cord as a jump rope, practically. Seriously, deciding so to jump. funny. But yeah, no, the people in this community are so strong and so brave. And the more that we can recognize that, yeah. And recognize that this pain is real. And, and I think it's important, like in you're talking about this community, but we you also mentioned earlier, it takes seven to ten years before diagnosis. So this is something like one thing I've really noticed and I've had to as we talk about periods and it, it it can be really uncomfortable for a lot of people. We can talk about fear and how fearful we are about, you know, what if my period pain isn't normal? But I have to say it has been like having these friends who going through it, following people like you creating this awareness around what's going on, all it does is truly empower us to start owning our bodies and talking about that pain and start being advocates for ourselves. It shouldn't be seven to 10 years. No, That number shouldn't exist because the fact is that's just years of suffering Mm -hmm. before these things are happening. So one thing like I... 
I really want people in listening is you might not think you're experiencing this and we're not out here to like diagnose anybody, but it is something to pay attention to because the medical industry isn't paying attention enough. Mm -hmm. It's still not being looked at enough. And so it is going to have to cause a little bit of advocacy on our part and not just dismissing period pain as period pain, not just like, you know, even like my daughter, she's 13. Obviously this isn't something she's going through yet, but her periods have gotten so bad that I'm like, I'm not going to normalize this for her. Like we need to go and have a conversation at the doctor's office. Like we need to start this now so we can start getting it traceable and like start advocating for her. So she knows that like, we're not going to just dismiss you and this pain. And I started having those conversations because of people in the endometriosis community, because I've watched them have to like fight to be heard and to be listened to and for this pain to not be so normal. Wow. Yeah. I mean, listening to your body is also one of the most incredible things that I've Mm. learned from this experience and not dismissing pain, not dismissing something that could be seen as a symptom. Like there's a reason why our bodies are telling us this, you know, there's a reason why I was so chronically fatigued and why my PMS was literally debilitating. Really? Um, Yeah. Like moodiness? Everything. It was moodiness. My breasts would swell to the point where I would get cysts all in, especially my right breast. Wow. So that was also a symptom of the endometriosis. I would get cysts on my ovary and I was just like, oh my gosh, like my periods are just really uh, intense. That was not normal. And it's like, I wish that I could talk to my former self and be like, just just listen to your body, you know, use the intuition that you have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important with everything on a life scale, you know, like I was saying how I tried like all these diets to help with endometriosis. Like, no, I should have just intuitively been eating what my body wanted to eat. Yeah. You could have listened to it and Mm -hmm. it would have known. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm so happy to see that you're sitting in such a better place now. Like when it comes to this, and this has been such a different journey for you, apart from like Doug and this whole other thing, did you really imagine that this community would have shown up for you and how different it would have made your life and it's like purpose and all that you've done? Like when you came out with that song, I was like, I just had no... I don't think I even realized that you were going to be able to do something so profound for such a community. And like I said, when I shared it with people and how impacted they were, but you're kind of becoming somebody at the face of this. And it's so incredible, but at the root of it is community. Mm -hmm. And what happened once you made that shift on your platform, apart from just being Doug's mom and like talking about this, how has that changed your experience with this whole thing? Man, I mean, still to this day, I'm getting messages that are just these long, beautiful warrior messages of these women. There is one girl, I think she was a few years younger than me. And she had had like 35 surgeries. What? For endometriosis since she was like 12, since her period started. Or there's women, you know, that have had hysterectomies and just these stories that are like, holy shit, this is, you know— And in a way, you know, I've obviously suffered a great deal, Mm -hmm. but then I see these women who are, it is such a part of their daily life, this pain, this battle, and my heart goes out to them. And Mm -hmm. I just, I want to do whatever I can to not only raise awareness because awareness only does so much to an extent, but like action. Yeah. So like, you know, when I put out that song, I wasn't even really thinking about oh, like people will relate to this song. Like I'm excited to put out music again. For me, it was like, 
how can I, you know, really be a part of endometriosis awareness month and like raise money in a way that I know how. Yes. And that was, you know, putting out a song and proceeds going towards the endometriosis foundation of America. And then talking to other endometriosis warriors about like, Mm -hmm. like, what can we actually do to make an impact a lot of them do say awareness though and just talking yeah. to people and encouraging people you know if if someone i have a good friend she lives in LA and she's always telling me how intense her pain is and you know i've been saying it could be endometriosis it could but be. that you know i encourage you to try this and yeah. go to and now she's at the point where she's like all right i think i'm going to schedule my surgery and i'm yeah. like I am so proud of you. I know how scary this is, but she had to do it in her own time. Yeah. But when you go seven years and no one's ever told you endometriosis is an option, how are you supposed to know? Exactly. It's truly mind blowing. And I think times are changing. And this morning, actually, I was like scrolling through Facebook and um, one of the endometriosis pages that I follow posted that the department of health or something, some something in the government is donating millions of dollars to endometriosis research wow. in 2020. So that was great news. And I personally know one of the women who was on the board trying to fight to make that happen. And they're being yeah. seen and heard. And that's incredible. And, and that's fighting. what I think is so cool. Is like, we literally are in an age of information. It's mm-hmm. so accessible. I also know, like I had somebody on my podcast and she was saying that like, it takes knowing somebody in your relational world. And maybe that's even someone you follow online mm-hmm. before you start to care about something. And we don't realize what those things could actually create. Like, I can't tell you how many people I follow who have had cancer stories or infertility stories or all of these different things. And I'm like, it's funny because I'm not going through any of this stuff right now, but I might one day. And it might be that their bit of information and their sharing might change the trajectory from my life. And, and that's what I love about this age of awareness. But I, I do have to ask because I'm in Canada, we kind of run on a different healthcare system for you. What is the healthcare system for you guys when it comes to endometriosis? How, like, is it possible to get help? Is this all out of pocket for you? Is it all insurance? My, I grew up in the military. My dad, a military family. My dad was okay. a pilot in the Navy. So the way that military insurance works is that you're on it until the end of your 26th year. So I was able to get my surgery before my good insurance went away. Oh, good. So I still ended up out of pocket having to pay a few grand, Yeah, but it wasn't so bad. But yeah. for example, I had severe bronchitis a few months ago in October to where it ended up cracking a rib. What? And it was oh my horrible, gosh. also incredibly painful, horrible experience. But Rob took me to the ER because yeah. we thought that I had pneumonia mm. by the way I was coughing. I am still paying these bills oh just from, and I'm not even kidding. They took one x-ray and we were in and out in an hour. They were like, you don't have pneumonia. Take these things, breathing treatments, blah, blah, blah. And I'm getting bills for a few grand from just being seen by the doctor. So not only do people that have endometriosis have to worry about like the diagnosis and all these things, but that is also a huge proponent of it. Yeah, And that's something that like, it won't change unless, you know, I don't want to get political at all, but we have to be, you know, involved in that side of things. Of course. And fighting for, for, you know, if that is something that is near and dear to you Mm -hmm. and something that is like, on your list of like must-haves for a politician fighting for us for, like 
do your research. Like, yeah, vote. find out where they stand on things. Vote. Yeah, in Canada, it's a bit different. Like, it's a bit more of a process of like it's all free healthcare. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the best part about Canada for sure. Like, you can show up and you never have to pay a bill for that stuff. It's like worked into our taxes. However, there is a waiting game because like it's more you know, if you go in, it might take time. Like it's another to wait to see a specialist might be six months to a year. I mean, because it is free, so many more people are having access to it, but we don't really have the same amount of doctors to compensate for that whole thing. So while Americans might get it faster, you're obviously paying right out of pocket where us, you have to wait, but it's not ever paid out of pocket. But again, it does come down to that straight up awareness, unless you're willing to go and have those conversations or challenge that pain or that something you're having. And I know from a lot of my friends who finally ended up with diagnosis, diagnosis, their biggest thing was that they had to actually push back. They had to continue to push to say, I don't think this is normal. I don't accept your, I want to pursue this further. I want to take the next step. What does that look like? And having doctors kind of say, okay, like if you're going to push this hard, then we will, you know, push this forward for you. It's very different in the way that like people can approach it between our different countries, but at the helm of it, is, you know, a woman being willing to go and have those uncomfortable conversations, finding out that information. It shouldn't have to be that we have to self-diagnose based off symptoms on the internet because they're all going to tell us we're pregnant and have cancer at the same time. Like literally (sighs) every single time. Not to Google as much because it is, it's scary. And I can't even tell you how many doctors I saw before finally finding my group of people here that I trust, especially for like my thyroid stuff. I, you know, Hashimoto's is pretty complex to where if you don't have a doctor who knows how to read a lab for Mm. Hashimoto's specifically, you will technically be in the range of a normal thyroid. Wow. So I went to five or six doctors, got my blood, all these things. I don't feel good. I feel like I have these symptoms and blah, blah, blah. I am so exhausted you know, oh, your labs are in the normal. You're fine. Just sleep more. Or like, you know, we all lead busy lives, like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is, I, yeah. I'm 20 at the time. I was 22. I should not be chronically tired. No, not at all. And, but then I found a doctor in Nashville that someone recommended, I think someone on Instagram maybe, yeah. and, you know, went to her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You have Hashimoto's. That's exactly why you feel this way. And oh, then so validating. Hashi- so validating. <laughs> Finding you know, the answer that you've been looking for, mm-hmm. even when it's not always the best news. Yeah. When you are validated that your pain is real, your, you know, your fatigue is real. It's so validating. And it feels like something like, okay, now we can like focus on this. What's the next step? Yes. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I think that's honestly probably the biggest takeaway for people. And, and even for me to hear, like, it's not just about being scared of a diagnosis. It's the fact that that is going to bring on information that is going to help you in your next steps and hopefully allow people to live with less pain and live Mm -hmm. pain-free lives and not feel so ashamed for the fact that they have bad periods. You know, women shouldn't be shamed in having to call in for work for that or having to come home for school or telling their significant others that they're not feeling well. It's dismissed. It's Mm -hmm. normal to be dismissed. It's the joke of many marriages, many relationships on the internet. It is a common thing. And we participate it because it's like, it seems so normal, but there's a lot of like people who are actually not. And I actually relate this to a lot of things in life. Back when I was in a really bad marriage, I would talk about 
to a trusted friend about, you know, struggles and people would just say, well, like marriage is hard, like marriage is hard. And we, we normalize pain so often for people because it just seems easier to do it that way. And again, coming back to that, you know, not being diagnosed for seven to 10 years is coming out of us as a society, dismissing people's pain over and over, joking about it, making it something laughable, making it like, oh, it's just so common, but it doesn't make it normal. And I want women everywhere listening. And even if you're a man listening, like significant others, it's important that we listen to these messages and we hear these stories of invisible illnesses and pain that truly are changing the trajectories of women's lives. So I really, I'm honestly so proud of you because everything you've done has really opened my eyes to like a lot that's going on and things that you know, I had really bad ovarian pain last year. And, and I went to the doctor like immediately for it. They said it was probably the assist, but at least it's now documented. And I felt like at least I advocated and stuff. And I don't think that I would have done that had I not known women who were doing this on an ongoing basis. Right. So I think it's incredible what you're doing and I'm just, yeah, super proud of you. Thank super, you so super much. proud of you. That means a lot, you know, not only have these chronic illnesses been placed in my life for me to grow as a person mm. and for me to like truly find myself because I honestly feel like a different person mm. because of all of these things that I've went through. And like I said, I wouldn't change them for the world. But at the same time, in a bigger picture, Doug the Pug has changed my life. He's mm-hmm. he His little body and soul has changed people's lives and instilled so much happiness in people. But because of him, I have a small platform yeah. and I truly and genuinely feel like it was to raise awareness about things like yeah. endometriosis, like yeah. Hashimoto's, like acne or yeah. you know, whatever it may be, just showing these women and men that mm-hmm. we're not alone. Yeah. We're all going through these things. It can suck a lot of the time. It is painful, but there is, you know, a way through. The yeah. only way out is through and we have to like fight like hell. And there's going to be days when you're like, you feel like you're on top of the world. Like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better today. And then a few days later, you feel really shitty and it's it's a roller coaster, but celebrate the good days and just continue to love yourself. I freaking love that. I love that the only way out is through. I don't think that a lot of us take note on that enough, but what's next for you? You're Dog wasn't, I almost said your son. Your <laughs> dog is. was on the Super Bowl commercial last oh night. Oh my gosh. Can you believe? Like, it, what is your life? It was very surreal. Yeah, I bet. We're still on a high from it. I um, bet. To like see it on TV, you know, we saw the commercial in advance. Mm-hmm. And then to see it on TV and all of our friends were like cheering in the house and we're like, go Dougie. And then to like open my phone and on Doug's Twitter, I started scrolling through mentions and it was like hundreds of people going, oh my God, I just saw Doug the Pug in a Super Bowl commercial, but I hadn't posted anything, <laughs> anything. from Doug yeah, yet. I was going to say, I was you like, didn't say anything. They actually recognized him off of a few seconds of his little face and a piece of pizza. And I just started crying. And I, I was bet. like, we were just like, literally we, Rob and I went to the room and just were like kind of hugging and crying. And we we're like, wow, it just shows you when you, work so hard for something that is a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, Doug is a good thing. He He makes people smile. And, you know, our foundation for Doug is hopefully going to come out around his birthday in May, which will help kids with childhood cancer. Mm. And I see such a bigger purpose in all of this. So it's like when he was on that little stage, that platform in front Mm -hmm. of millions of people, Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. hell yeah. 
That's amazing. It's a really good feeling. It's so cool what you guys are doing because, I mean, that's exactly it. He's like a light. He brings humor and joy and your creativity and the amount of work that you've put in to create such a positive space. It, it's why you guys have like collectively like 10, how many friggin' millions of followers <laughs> is this? dog have now like I know your Facebook is insane your Instagram's 13, insane 13 million 13 just just small beans no big deal 13 <laughs> oh, million over Man. Doug yeah it's, it's a little star we will you know go in public and people will come up to us about Doug yeah and we won't even have Doug and they'll tell us a story about their pug mm-hmm. or how you know they look at the daily calendar every day with their grandma or like they send their long distance boyfriend a photo of Doug every day and relationships you know he's really yeah. deeply woven but the cool thing is since I've been open about my endometriosis I'm now having women come up to me and young girls even and they're like I love Doug the pug but like I also love that you're open about your endometriosis yes Yes. and I remember I had my surgery and a few weeks later was like the first time I went out in public Mm -hmm. and I like was so excited to put on makeup and like walk around in my stretchy (laughs) pants and just like be a human and I'm not even kidding within the first like 10 minutes of being outside we were in Franklin Tennessee And this young girl came up to me and she's like, how are you feeling? I think I have it too. And I'm going to the doctor next week because of your post. And I was just, I was, I think it was probably the drugs, but I I started crying. I bet. What? Like it's, life is really surreal. It really is. Honestly, I'm just so in awe of you. You've taken such an incredible medium like social media and turned it into not only a positive space in the Doug realm, but also just like such a real place where people can share really real stuff that's going on in the background. Like I said, those invisible illnesses and that stuff that people are so uncomfortable talking about and you've made it so approachable and so amazing and and actually used it for activism. You wrote a song, you donated money, like you're, you're doing some really incredible stuff, but how can people come to find you and follow (laughs) you as well? I'm on Instagram as at Leslie Mosier, L-E-S-L-I-E-M-O-S-I-E-R. And you can follow Doug at it's Doug the Pug or just type in Doug the Pug, his face pops up. (laughs) And yeah, I am. And you have a cat and a husband. You guys are like a little social media fam. Little fam. My husband, Rob, you can see him on my Instagram and follow him through there. And Fiona is at duh, it's Fiona. And she's very sassy. And I we love need, her. We need to keep up with her account more. Well, she's just not posing. Apparently she's <sighs> being a little diva. She's she's a little diva. And, you know, we truly embrace Doug's love of dress up. We, yes. we respect and appreciate Fiona's personality of not wanting to do that. So we do not force her to do that. And I told you when I got here, I left your house last year and I was like, you know what? I have not been giving my pug like enough justice. Like she needs to be a star. And I tried to put a hat on her and it took us like two hours and I gave up and I was like, you are not a star. You are never going to live this life. Like this is not for you. He's special. He definitely is is special. So, so special. For him, the number one thing is that he gets to spend time with us every day. Yeah, He just loves that. And how lucky are we to get to literally like our job revolves around hanging out with our dog. So like, like I went to New Orleans with a friend for a few days around Halloween. And that was like the first time I've taken a girl's trip Mm. without Doug, without Rob. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I miss him so much (laughs) because I've been with him every day for like, you know, seven years now practically. 
And then Rob and I were on our honeymoon over the summer and my parents and my brother all came to Nashville to watch Doug and Fiona. I bet. Oh my goodness. He did fine. I just, he's my little sidekick. He's your little buddy. He's a little star. We love him so much. He's coming back in. All right, Dougie. Dougie. Send us off, baby. It's not an attractive sound. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cute. Oh my gosh. Oh, Dougie. That was the best sound ever. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Before we go. Yes. One of my things with pain. Yes. Animals. Animals. And pain. They know when you are in pain. Really? Doug is one of the reasons why I was able to get through so many nights and days and, Mm. you know, horrible just pain because he was there for me and he knew. And I'm sure a lot of other people that have chronic illness and chronic pain can relate to that of how valuable it is to have an animal who picks up on that energy for you and helps you. And they're just so magical. Oh, I wish my dog cared about me that much. Well, she does. She, she actually, would. she cares about the kids a lot. If they're sick, it's incredible to watch an mm-hmm. animal pick up on that. And just like, a, she magnets herself Aww. to that kid. Like when they're down, it's it's very, very sweet. So I super agree with you there. It's just yeah. that like, I just wish she actually acted like a heating pad for me and not like step on my uterus with oh, those like no, heavy Doug, paws. That's Doug the has worst. definitely done that. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not fun. It's not fun. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a cool chat. Honestly, I'm so excited that we did it. And I'm really excited for people to get to know you beyond just Doug, but also Doug, because he's the greatest thing on my (laughs) social media. He's amazing. For sure. You're amazing. I'm so grateful to know you and call you a friend. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I'm so proud of you. Every time I scroll, I see you doing something so amazing and Thank you. You're changing the world. Aw, friendships. Love you so much. Thank you so much. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Go check out Leslie and go check out Doug and the whole fam. They're doing some really cool stuff. Even if you just want to have a smile on your face, Doug's going to be the one to do that for you. So go check him out and uh, we will be back next week. Yay. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.